0: for the word of God. Let's stand in respect for the word of God. Hebrews chapter 5 begin reading with me at verse 11 and we'll go through chapter 6 verse 3. About this we have much to say and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you, because, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child or a baby. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice, to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, and the instruction about washings, that can also mean baptism, I believe, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits may God bless the reading and the hearing of his word you may be you may be seated as we have been seeing in the last few weeks that the great theme of the book of hebrews is jesus is greater jesus is greater He's greater than the prophets. He's greater than the angels. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than than all the Levitical priesthood. He is our great high priest. Our great high priest. High priest after the order of Melchizedek. Chapter 5, verse 10. You know, the author of Hebrews tells his readers that he has much more to say about melchizedek and his priesthood but but there's a little problem verse verse 11 he says you're unable to hear it because you have become dull of hearing in other words they need to grow up spiritually and that's why he tells them in chapter 6 verse 1 let us go on to maturity in other words you know quit acting like a baby you know a baby will crawl around and say dad dad and you know that's okay because that's what that's what babies do but 20 years later if he's still crawling around on all fours saying dad dad you have a real problem it's just not normal well neither is spiritual immaturity normal we're all born into the family of God as babes in Christ that's the way we all start out in the Christian life But it's not normal to stay that way. In fact, it's tragic to stay that way. Spiritual maturity is one of the greatest problems facing the church today. Christians who have been saved for years, 10, 15, 20, even 50 years, but have never, never grown up spiritually. And sadly to say, the church is filled with spiritual babies. Christian thumb suckers, Christians who are still on the bottle. And this accounts for many of the problems in our churches, and that's why there's so much confusion and division and disunity in many of our churches. You know, you can tell where people are spiritually by what they say, by the very things they say. You can spot a a baby Christian that way, very easily. I call it baby talk, baby talk. You know, a baby Christian will say things like, I don't need to go to church. Sunday is the only day I have the rest. Wah, wah. Those people in church, man, they hurt my feelings, and I'm not coming anymore. Wah, wah. I don't like the music they play in church. Why don't they play the music that I like? why why <laughs> i'm sorry i'm going to have to move to another church because i don't like the way things are going there why why you're sitting in my seat you're going to have to move why why <laughs> you know i've been sick for 2 weeks and nobody in the church even called me why why <laughs> if things don't change around here I'm going to find another church why, why? I'm just not being fed, and I'm going to go to a church that that feeds me and meets my needs why, why baby talk baby talk does it sound familiar? I've heard a lot of baby talk in my forty years of ministry. I promise you I have you know a baby Christian talks about my church it's all about what I want it's all about what makes me feel good it's all about what makes me happy what meets my needs a baby christian thinks the church exists for them and only for them and if they don't get their way they're gonna pitch a fit you know paul says in first corinthians chapter 13 verse 11 he says when i was a child I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. Why? Because that's what kids do, that's what babies do. He says, but when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. The author of Hebrews is telling his readers, and I believe he's telling us today, it's time to put on your big boy pants and put away your childish ways and grow up. 2 Peter 3, verse 18 says, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is he saying? Grow up spiritually. That's what he is saying. Now I want you to look at verse 13. There's that last phrase. It says, He is a child. And I want you to look at the words in verse 14. The mature. In other words, Verse 13 is where these Hebrew Christians were at the present time. They were spiritual babies. Verse 14 is where they should have been, where they should have been spiritually mature. They were still spiritual babies, but they should have grown up by now. You know, I think maybe this is a a good time for all of us, and I'm including myself, to take a little spiritual inventory. You know, it's good to get a a checkup every now and then, isn't it? You go to the doctor and and you think things aren't quite right, so you go to the doctor and and he gives you a checkup. Well, sometimes we need to have a spiritual checkup with our God. Let me ask you, are you still on the bottle? Are you still talking baby talk? What are some of the marks of spiritual immaturity? Well, let me just say right from the outset that age or number of years you've been a Christian has absolutely nothing to do with it. It has nothing to do with spiritual maturity or the lack of it. Someone who has been a Christian for only a few years can be spiritually mature. And someone who has been a Christian for many years can still be a spiritual baby. Ray Stadman. He tells the story of a high school principal that had a administrative position to fill in the school, and he promoted one of the teachers that had ten years of experience in the school. Well, when the announcement went out, you know, another teacher came to see him, and she was terribly upset. Terribly upset. She said, "Why did you put her in this position, and she's only had?" 10 years of experience, and I've had 25 years of experience in your school, and yet you passed me over. The principal said, I'm sorry, you're wrong. You haven't had 25 years of experience. You've had one year of experience 25 times. You've been around a long time, but you haven't grown up in your job. And sadly... That's the way it is with many Christians. They've been around a long time. They've been in church a long time. But they haven't grown up spiritually. Now, we will never fully reach maturity in this life. Never. But we need to be moving on towards maturity. We need, we need to be growing spiritually. I love what, what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 14 he says, "Not that I've already obtained this, that is maturity, or am already perfect or mature, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, what is Paul saying? He says, I haven't reached full maturity. He said, I'm not Christ-like. I've got a way, way to go. But he says, I'm moving on. I'm pressing forward to become all that God wants me to be. Can you say that? Can I say that? I'm not what I ought to be but thank god i'm not what i used to be and praise god i'm becoming what god wants me to be so what are the marks of spiritual maturity let's look at a few things from the text itself number one baby christians have no appetite for god's word they have no appetite for god's word look again at verse 11 he says about this we have much to say and it is hard to explain. I have so much to teach you from God's Word, especially about the, the priesthood of Melchizedek, but, but I'm not able to do it since you have become dull of hearing. The word dull means slow. It means, it means sluggish. It means to be lazy in hearing. Uh, these Christians were slow in hearing the Word of God. In fact, one of the the first signs of spiritual babyhood is a dullness towards the Bible. They don't have an appetite for the Word. They don't have a desire to hear the Word. They don't have a hunger for the Word of God. Oh, they're, they're eager to hear other things. To hear about their favorite politician or to hear about their favorite football team. But they have no desire to hear God's Word. They say things like, well, I just can't believe the preacher preached that long. Yet they watch a football game for three hours. They're always looking at their watches, you know, because they would rather be eating Sunday dinner than feasting on the Word of God. They say, I don't get anything out of that Sunday school class. I don't get anything out of that preaching. But the truth is, the problem is not with the teacher or the preacher. The problem is with the hearer. The hearer. They're dull of hearing. No appetite for the word of God. But you know what? Nothing is more exciting than to be around believers who are hungry for the word of God. Just hungry for the word of God. That's why I love to go to India to teach and preach. That's why I love to go to Nicaragua to teach and preach because there is a hunger for the Word of God. I'll never forget uh, once when I was in South India and I was traveling on this dirt road in the middle of the forest um, to this church to preach. And as we got a few miles from the church, both sides of that little narrow dirt road was filled with people walking in That direction. And I asked my Indian interpreter, where in the world are all those people going? He looked at me and he said, To hear you preach. Wow. Man, I was humbled. Those precious Indian believers were so hungry to hear God's word that they were willing to walk for miles, for miles to hear God's word. They were not dull of hearing. J.I. Packard, Packard tells of a Puritan pastor, Richard Baxter, who wrote in his book, Directions for Hearing the Word Preached. It was written back in the uh, 1600s. And he gives wise counsel to all Christians about hearing the word. Listen to what he says. He says, make it your work with diligence to apply the word as you are hearing it. Cast not all the work upon the minister. You have to work to do as well. You have work to do as well as the preacher, and should all the time and, and 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 should all the time be as busy as he is. You must open your mouths and digest it, for another cannot digest it for you. Therefore, be all the while at work and abhor an idle heart in hearing. You know when I, I read those words. My thoughts went to one of my seminary professors um, at Dallas Seminary, Dr. Howard Hendricks. Dr. Howard Hendricks was a very gifted teacher and preacher of the Word of God, no question about it. A real scholar, but he was also a a good hero, a good hero. At his funeral, I was able to watch it online. At his funeral, his son told about his hunger for the Word of God. And this is what he shared. He said, when my dad was in church listening to a sermon, he was busy as the preacher was. Busy as the preacher was. As the preacher was delivering his message, he had his Bible wide open, totally focused on the messenger and the message. He would get out his pen and take notes feverishly. He would fill out the space provided on the bulletin, and when he filled that up, he would he would write in the margins of the bulletin. And when he filled that up, he would start on the visitor's cards. <laughs> he was totally possessed by the word of God. His son went on. He says, when I got up enough nerve, one day I asked him why, why he found um, so excite, why he was so excited about a message that he thought was quite boring. And this is what he he answered. He said, son, when I got up this morning, my heavenly father had a scrumptious feast just for me. And whether or not the one serving the meal was up to the task, it was my responsibility to sit down and enjoy what he had provided. So as I listened to God's word, God began to speak to me and I began to see things from God's word that i would never seen before. So, that's the reason I've never heard a boring sermon or a boring message in all my life. Yes, the preacher has a responsibility, but so does the hero. The thing that was going on in this early church was this God was speaking, but the people were not hearing. You know, could God be speaking to you But you're not hearing what he is saying because you're dull of hearing? What God is saying in Hebrews and what the author is is telling these Hebrew Christians and what I believe that God is telling us is this. Grow up! Grow up! Quit acting like a baby. Well, a baby Christian has no... Hunger for the Word of God. And secondly, a baby Christian is unable to share God's Word. Unable to share God's Word. Look again at verse 12. He says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. Now, the word teacher here doesn't refer to the Sunday school teacher or the pastor who has a special position in the church as a teacher. The word teacher here refers to every believer's responsibility to share the Word of God, to share what you have learned from God's Word. See, not every Christian is called to be a Sunday school teacher. Not every Christian is called to be a pastor, but every Christian is called to share with others what they have learned from God's Word. That's true of every Christian. So in in that sense, we're all teachers, In that sense, we're all teachers. Every Christian should have something from God's word to share with others. And and that was the problem in in this church. Babies don't like to share. (laughs) Most of you have been parents. You know that's true. Babies don't like to share. They want to keep their toys to themselves. Just take a a child's toy away, and they will scream bloody murder. And you'll know it. They don't like to share. And take a baby Christian's toy away, what he wants, what she thinks is right, and they too will throw a tantrum, a spiritual tantrum. They'll throw one. Well see, these Christians here have been saved for a long time, but they were not sharing the Word of God. In fact, in verse 12, it says they couldn't even share the basic principles of the oracles of God. These are the foundational truths of the Christian faith. I mean, these are the ABCs. You know, these are the ABCs, the elementary truths of the Word of God. They didn't even know how to point someone to Jesus. They didn't know how to lead someone to Jesus. That They didn't know how to take the Bible and, and help people through their own struggles. They couldn't do it. They were, why? They were spiritual babies. Thirdly, a baby Christian is on baby food, it's on a baby food diet. Look at verses 12 and 13. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child or a baby. Milk is for babies. When was the last time that you were at a steakhouse and you saw a, a one-year-old with a T-bone steak in front of him or her? No, a baby can't do that. They can't eat solid food. They, they can't do it. They can't eat a T-bone steak. But as a baby grows and matures, there comes a time when they can eat grown-up food. They can eat solid food. Now, see, these Christians that, that the author of Hebrews was writing could not tolerate anything but milk. They could not tolerate the milk of the word. They were on pablum. They were on baby food. They were still on the bottle. Still on the bottle. Well, the question that, as I was preparing this, the question that came to my mind was this. How do you get off milk and on meat? How do you get off of a milk diet And on a meat diet. Now I'll tell you what I used to think. I used to think that the meat of the word. Was getting the deep things of God. Being able to understand. The the deep theological truths. Of the word of God. In the Bible. I don't think that's it at all. You can be a Bible scholar. You can know all the doctrines. Of the Christian faith. I mean. You can know all of the theological truths of the Word of God and still be a baby. I've known plenty of them. I believe we learned what the meat of the Word is right here in verse 12 and 13 where he says, You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled. And here's the key phrase, In the Word of righteousness, since he is a child. The key phrase is, In the word of righteousness. You you move from milk to meat when you hear the word and you live it out. You live a righteous, godly life. That's how you, you grow up spiritually. That's how you grow out of spiritual babyhood. Well, fourthly, a baby Christian is not discerning. It's not discerning. Look at verse 14. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Well, baby Christian lacks spiritual discernment. It's not that they don't mean well. They often do. It's not that they aren't good people. They are. They think they're doing good. They think they're doing right. But often they cause more problems than than good. More times they do more harm than good. Why? Because babies make messes. (laughs) Now, if you've been a parent, you know that's true, don't you? Babies make messes. They wet. They poop. They throw their food, every single child we had did all of those things, and I'm sure yours did too, and you have to clean up behind them. You have to clean up behind them. Baby Christians make messes too. They make messes too. And you have to clean up behind them. And my friend, nothing is worse than having to clean up behind a 50-year-old baby Christian. That's a tough job to do. They aren't discerning. Also, baby Christians are gullible. They're gullible. They believe almost anything. They hear something, oh, they see this TV preacher and he says something so outlandish. Oh, they, they just, they believe it. it sounds good to them and they, they believe it and they go with it. They will believe any teaching out there because they, they don't know the book. They don't know the word of God. They'll believe most anything. That's why Paul says that these are easily blown away with every wind of doctrine. And then also, baby Christians are people followers. They follow people. Have you noticed that? They emotionally attach themselves to certain charismatic teachers and preachers regardless of what they believe. (laughs) They're just right in. All of it. I guess you've heard the latest on Beth Moore. She's left the Southern Baptist Convention and she has apologized, and I quote her, for supporting a theology that restricts a woman's role in the local church. What she is doing is she's apologizing for believing and standing on the Word of God. Listen, God says through the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. And also, the Baptist Faith and Message 2000, and I quote, While both men and women are gifted for service in the church, the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by scripture that's the baptist faith and message 2000 now god's word couldn't be clearer this isn't norman's opinion this is god's command god forbids a woman to exercise authority over god-ordained male leadership in the local church that's god's word and and Beth Moore and 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 you know I'm I'm sure she's just a fine person. And I don't question her faith in Christ. I don't question any of that. But she is saying now, because she's changed her opinion, she is saying now that the Bible isn't quite right. The Bible isn't just it's not right. It's okay for women to serve as pastors in the local church. So Beth Morris changed her mind, but I'm telling you, my friend, God has not changed his mind. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, is still in there. And if you read the, the plain, the, the normal interpretation of that, it's clear that the men are to be the spiritual leaders in the local church, and only men are to be the pastors that God has chosen. It's clear. God hasn't changed his mind. But it's amazing how many women and men, you just watch, will follow her in her doctrinal error. They will. They will follow her. Why? Because they're so gullible. They're people followers. Well, baby Christians lack discernment, they're moved by emotion rather than the truth of the Word of God. Well, what is the cure for spiritual immaturity? What's the, what's the cure? You know, I, I love the Word of God because it, it, it tells us what the problem is. But it also tells us what the cure is, what the solution is. What is the cure for spiritual immaturity? Look at verse 1 of chapter 6. It says, Therefore let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and go on, that's, that's a key phrase, and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation. And it goes on. The cure to spiritual babyhood is moving on, getting beyond the ABCs, the 1, 2, and 3s, the foundational things of the Word of God. Now, these foundational truths are very, very important. I'm not saying they aren't. But they need to be built upon. You build upon the foundation, don't you? And the author of Hebrews is urging his readers to stop laying the the same foundation over and over again. Stop doing that. How many of you have built a house in your life? Raise your hand if you've built a house before. Okay, that's a lot of us. You know, if you're building a house and you keep laying the same foundation, you'll never move in. If you keep laying the same foundation over and over and over again, you'll never get into your house. Well, as Christians, if we keep laying the same foundation of the Christian life, the ABCs, the elementary truths, we will never grow out of babyhood. And that's why so so many Christians in the church are still in kindergarten and nursery. And not in college, in graduate school. There are six foundational truths mentioned here. I'll just read them briefly and just comment on them very briefly. Verses 1, 2, and 3, chapter 6. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance and de- from dead works and of faith towards God and of instruction about washings or baptism, the laying of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Now, what are these foundational truths, these elementary doctrines? He has three couplets here. First, faith, or excuse me, first, repentance and faith towards God. Now, repentance is turning from sin. Faith is turning to Jesus Christ. They're Two sides of the same coin. And a person is saved when they turn from their sin and turn to Jesus Christ as Savior. Now, is that important? You bet it is. That's so important. But you don't stay there. You build upon that. Even this this ABC right here, repentance and faith towards God, you build upon that. Because you know what? I need repentance right now as much as I did the day I was saved. There's not a day I don't need to repent of my sin. And I need faith too. I need to trust God daily. Every single day as much as I did the day I accepted Jesus as Savior. But it's a foundational truth. You've got to build on it. And then washing or, or baptism and the laying on of hands. In baptism we give testimony to our faith in Jesus Christ, don't we? And not long ago, we had a beautiful baptism. A young man giving testimony of his faith in Jesus Christ. And then laying on of hands is the way we symbolically set apart those that are called by God for Christian service. And when we have a deacon ordination, we lay hands on that man. And when we have an ordination to the gospel ministry, we lay hands on that person. But it's an ABC. It's a foundational truth. And then the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Well, Jesus rose again. We celebrated that last Sunday, Easter Sunday. We celebrated that. And we will join him in resurrection when he returns. And eternal judgment, well, that's the destiny of all those who reject Christ. That reject the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it's a, a foundational truth. I must say, all of these are foundational truths. They're ABCs. They're good and they're important. But we must not stay there. We must build on them and move on to spiritual maturity. And the author of Hebrews ends. Our sermon today with, with these words in verse 3 and this we will do if God permits. And I think what he is saying, I have confidence in you, you, you Christians there, I have confidence that you will rise to the occasion and you will move on towards maturity. I think that's what he's saying. He has confidence that they will do that. How do we move on to maturity? How do we move on to maturity? Well, an athlete goes through rigorous discipline to become a successful athlete. It doesn't just happen. They don't just show up (laughs) and make the team, whether it's collegiate football or, or pro football. They don't just show up. Man, they go through all kind of discipline and training. In order to be able to make the team. Well likewise it takes discipline to become a mature Christian. And that's why there's so few. Mature Christians. Around today. It takes discipline. No pain no gain. No pain no gain. Let me encourage you. To start practicing the disciplines that will lead to spiritual maturity. Let me encourage you to start practicing these disciplines that will lead to spiritual maturity. Start reading your Bible daily. Don't think you're going to be fed once a week when you come to church or Sunday school. Or a small group or whatever. Start reading your Bible daily. Obey it. Apply it to your life. Ask God, God, what do you want to teach me through this paragraph, this chapter I read? What do you have for me? Just like Dr. Hendricks, you know, God has a smorgasbord of, of truth. God, what do you want to teach me? Start reading your Bible daily. Also start talking to God in prayer. You know, God's Father, isn't He? How many fathers do we have in here? Raise your hand. Do you enjoy it when your child gives you a call? And says, Dad, I love you. Don't you think your Heavenly Father wants to hear from you? Me? Start talking to God every day in prayer. Number three, start going to Sunday school. Why does 50% of our church don't take Sunday school seriously? I'll be honest with you. I've never been in a church that 50% of the church didn't come to Sunday school. I'm just being frank. I love you, but I'm just being frank. Start coming to Sunday school. We're studying the gospel project. We're seeing how Jesus Christ is found in the whole Bible, not just the New Testament, but all the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, he is found in this book, in the Word of God. Why aren't you in Sunday school to learn that? Start attending a small group. We have several small groups. Some of them are Bible studies. Others are are applying the, the sermon each Sunday uh, in their small group. You know, seek out a small group. I believe the s- small groups are listed on our website. Talk to me or Kent. we we'll would be glad to lead you where you might want to go. Start attending a small group. You know, that's where... Relations take place. That's where relationships take place in a small group. Start sharing with others. This is finally. Start sharing with others what God has been teaching you from His Word. Be a teacher. That's That's what Hebrews is saying. Start sharing what God has been teaching you from His Word. We're all teachers. I'll make a promise I'll make a promise to you if you start practicing these disciplines you'll begin to move from spiritual babyhood to spiritual maturity and yes you'll quit acting like a baby let's pray